Hello and welcome to another episode of the Philosophy Guy podcast. So today's episode, we are going to be covering some Game of Thrones. Uh, I thought with the recent new season, what a perfect time to finally finish up this episode and release it to kind of latch on to some of the hype around the, the final season coming out as we just had the first episode of the final season this past Sunday. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll finally get to see how it all ends. So I thought it'd be fun to do a little bit of uh, some philosophy and some analysis of Game of Thrones in general. And this episode is going to deal with an analysis on game, the Game of Thrones use of death and kind of death and kind of meaning as well. So we'll talk about both of those things. And also before, just a, one quick announcement or a couple quick announcements. Uh, I was recently on the Embrace the Void podcast, which is a pot, another philosophy podcast where we where I went on there and I got to discuss some voidy films. So I'll link that below so you can check out th- that episode. It's a great show. I highly recommend it. And also, if you'd like to help support the show, you know, there's a bunch of links below where you can help support. But if you'd like some bonus content, a bonus episode feed of various other philosophy episodes, check out my Patreon the link is below, and yeah, there's a couple other links down there you can do to, to support the show and kind of keep it going so I can keep putting out episodes and bring you content, more content, I guess you could say. But let's get into the show. So the idea is Game of Thrones, we're going to look at the use of death, like I mentioned, but probably the most powerful theme in Game of Thrones is their use of death. And that's probably, you know, kind of the biggest message I feel like they're trying to get across to an extent or or George R. R. Martin is trying to get across. So at least in the first four seasons or so, talking about the actual show, then Martin left and the use of death has been kind of lacking and fallen into kind of uh, old fantasy tropes that we typically see in, in series and movies and TV shows and trilogies, blah, 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 blah. This isn't to say that characters don't die in these recent uh, seasons or like important characters. They do. It, it has just been a, a little more expected when it's coming. Spoilers ahead, by the way, because... As we see in in season seven, when Littlefinger is killed off, we all kind of felt his end was ultimately coming in that season. They kind of did the typical, like, putting the imagery on the wall there for you to realize that, oh, you know, he's going to end up dead this season, right? So with the Red Wedding with Rob, we were mostly left wondering what the fuck just happened. Like, it was just like a mystery and this idea of this surprise to us that, holy shit, like, this show did another crazy turn, right? See, Martin's story in the show, Game of Thrones, started off destroying the common tropes we see in other fantasy stories, where the hero comes out on top. The writer tries to make you know obvious distinctions between good and evil. This is typically what we see, that sort of thing. The common tropes we see in our other fantasy series, such as Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, where you kind of have the authors and the creators of both the books and the films they make these obvious distinctions or try to make these obvious distinctions between who is the good guys and who is the bad guys, who is the audience supposed to be cheering for, those common tropes. So the demise of characters, main characters who hold the prophecy of the chosen one. You know, they die in Game of Thrones, right? Nobody is safe. It doesn't matter how much you like a character. Game of Thrones, much like reality, is indifferent to your hopes and desires. See, in Game of Thrones... Being good does not get you to the top necessarily. Good, as in the common tropes we, you know, because being good or what we conceive or perceive to be good 
You know, it's a very loaded up term. Like, what does that even mean? But I'm think, saying good as in the common tropes we saw in Ned Stark during season one. You know, he's honorable, caring, brave, not willing to play these cunning political games that others are in Game of Thrones. You know, the heroes, the typical hero's definition of good. But pure evil doesn't get you on top of the Seven Kingdoms either. See, now, this isn't to say Game of Thrones doesn't have prophecy. You have the Seven, the Old Gods, the Lord of Light, the the Drowned God, and, and others. You have these various gods that that seemingly provide prophecy for characters, or, or, or we are led to think, maybe. The character, uh, characters utilize these religion and belief systems to guide their actions and maybe the more important message, derive their sense of meaning for the world or maybe more accurately project their sense of meaning that has been passed down for, for centuries and centuries. You know, it's much like the current state of religion that they attempt to do. You know, the hand down values and hand down meaning to people. They provide a sense of meaning that backs the feeling of prophecy they have for themselves. So... Answering for them the question of what they should do and how they should act. That's what these religions provide, much like I think in reality what religion provides for people now. So in the show, the gods don't really do much, actually. Maybe the Lord of Light, but but we don't have indicators that the Lord of Light is guiding some sort of prophecy or determining outcomes. Everyone, it seems, is left to interpret for themselves, interpret their own meaning from their own gods. Now, the show does have the many-faced god, or in other words, the god of death. Again, maybe besides the television show messing up what exactly the power of the many-faced god is, I think the book would say it doesn't really have any special abilities besides you know, taking the face off of those who, who perish, who perish in death. However, even that doesn't have any fantasy-like powers coming from God. It still operates under the idea of man creating these religious messages, these meanings around the respective chosen God. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like God and religion becomes a placeholder of values for various cultures in the, in the world. Like I said, it, to me, it very much mirrors the reality we live in in real life aside from the fantasy that is Game of Thrones. Thus, creating a meaning around death itself. That is what this mini-faced God does. Because the meaning of life is often boiled down to an understanding of the meaning of death. And what we are supposed to understand about our inevitable death that we have to face. But, the God of death is interesting. Because of the role it plays in Game of Thrones. Think about it. Bravos is this entire culture that embraces death. How many cultures embrace this idea of death? Looking at Western culture, we live to fear death, do everything we can to avoid our inevitable death. Anything to prolong our lives just a little bit longer. And here's a quote from no one in Game of Thrones. Does death only come for the wicked and leave the decent behind? And then you also have the saying from the mini-faced god, Valar Magulis. All men must die. To me, their motto is very telling. You know, it, it shows that death is coming for everyone, and it puts this message across that really we're on this kind of even playing field, that good guys don't have a better chance of living, bad guys don't have a better chance of living or dying. It's equal in that sense, right? So let's look at Ned and their use of the death of Ned. Ned's moral code leads him to his death. Ned follows the hero trope of honorable, honest, brave, yada yada. He follows his moral code until his ultimate death. 
He faces death after being undermined by the likes of Cersei, Lannister, and Littlefinger. See, in a trilogy such as Lord of the Rings, the hero sticking to their moral code would become the saving grace, the message that these people are ultimately going to succeed in their ventures, sending the message that in the end, moral actors persevere while evildoers are left to perish. See, no salvation came for Ned by following these tropes. Nothing to help justify his hero traits. He just dies. He dies like a regular human. See, the universe in Game of Thrones and the universe in our lives is indifferent. But Game of Thrones tries to operate with an understanding that in war, all people, good or bad, have an equal chance of dying. They are on an equal playing field. So after the the end of season one's surprise death of Ned Stark, who seemingly had become the main character, so he thought, was killed off, at this moment we should have all known the show is not like other shows. But oh, wait, but season two comes around. Rob Stark begins the rebellion in the name of his father, Ned. Tropes started falling back into place. Rob became this honorable leader worth following. We saw him as the man that had it all, right? The audience, again, was made to feel that this fantasy story is heading its heading back on the similar path, the similar trope path. Rob, another honorable character that was winning the rebellion, had a beautiful wife with a kid on the way. But it was this trope of the hero getting the, the beautiful girl that ultimately led to Rob's death. He didn't want to be forced into marry, to marriage with one of the Freys, because he fell in love with, uh, I think she was like a medical person on, on, in the war front. He fell in love with this random girl, essentially. He was just following his heart, right? You know, what's the harm in that? Your desires and the outcomes you want don't always fit the reality they are placed in. Death comes for us all. And our choices can play a role in the timing of those ultimate deaths. And that's what Rob's story kind of showed me at least, right? These deaths leave people wondering who is next. Instead of having a a hierarchy of protected characters in Game of Thrones that commonly occurs in typical arcs of TV shows and movies, you have everyone operating on on this level playing field, field of question marks, the equal playing field of life free from the desires of an audience, gods, or the general wishes of other beings, all with their various positive and negative traits, all seeming vulnerable to the possibility of death. Something I love about Game of Thrones is the popularity of the show has continued to rise as we follow the final season. It has transformed the use of death. Death used to be this this cheap plot device to evoke emotion for movies and TV shows. But Game of Thrones reminds us this isn't how death operates in real life. The uncertainty of who is safe leaves you wanting to see what happens in the next episode. We are left wondering if our favorite character could be next because we realize they're not protected. They're vulnerable too. So the typical illusion of danger we see in Avengers, for example, where we know the characters will ultimately be fine, you know, and that's shattered by Game of Thrones. You know, you have Hodor holding the door. We know he is facing real danger. It's not, he's not going to be ultimately be saved. He's not protected. This also makes the side characters more fun and interesting. We feel like they have a part to play because they are on this even playing field like the perceived main character, such as Daenerys or or Jon Snow. 
So I think a perfect example of the, a show that does the opposite of Game of Thrones is The Walking Dead. Now, I no longer watch it, but when I did, you always knew when a side character was about to die. The showrunners would spend the episode giving this side character screen time for their goodbye. And sure enough, at the end of the episode of, you know, a walker would be eating their neck. Huh. You just kind of you just kind of shrug it off and say next. You know, it's, it's just you see it as out of touch with reality. There's no connection there with that character. It's like a forced connection just to be like, okay, let's get some easy points here for this death. These easy emotion points. No, Game of Thrones tries to attempt or at least attempts to... to provoke this real emotion in ourselves that actually makes us genuinely care about the characters. Now, I admit, Game of Thrones has become predictable over the last couple of seasons. You know, Jon Snow's death did not feel final. Even when it happened, we know he was coming back. We just had that feeling. But these resurrections are still not commonplace in Game of Thrones. You know, I think Tyrion says it very well of the reason for Game of Thrones using this idea of death. Death is so final. As for life, life is full of possibility. And I feel like that's a big message that Game of Thrones is trying to get across. Like, sure, death is is inevitable and blah, blah, blah. But hey, embrace life because it's full of possibility. But let's continue. So Game of Thrones allows us to see this, this chain reaction that death plays so much a part of. You know, Ned's death lifted Rob into quickly growing into manhood and fighting for his father's honor, which ultimately led to Rob's death. You know, Jon Snow died and experienced the nothingness of the non-existent afterlife. He has to live with that, live with that reality that he knows basically there's no afterlife and allow that to guide his actions. You have Cersei who deals with death of her children, each one continuing to evolve her dark worldview to a progressively darker pessimistic feeling and you can see it in her actions one that has her desiring to now kill both of her brothers as we see in in this recent season or the the recent episode of the final season and maybe a less remembered moment about death is how others perceive deaths of our perceived heroes and villains take joffrey's death the audience perceived joffrey to be this evil actor that finally met his doom with Tyrion, the framed one, who should be saved, right? But in Bravos, Arya witnesses a play where the roles are reversed. Joffrey is depicted as this wise and just young rising king. It's Tyrion that is depicted as this foolish, jealous uncle. We witness the true reality that people have various perception of death based on where and when and occurred and to whom. And who is sending the message about those deaths to other people? It's kind of telling to both reality of our current reality of death and also just history in general of who is giving that message of history and who is interpreting those historical events is very telling. And to me, that's very fitting of what Martin's interest because George R.R. Martin is very interested in history. And I think it's a very subtle message of what he's trying to get across is, you know, it's hard to trust history in an extent. That's a little bit of a side change, but let's get back to death. So it's evidence of the moral narratives we place upon death towards those we perceive to be good and bad, or favored and unfavored. You see, death becomes this constant reminder. We are all forced into backgrounds, forced into positions, forced into choices, forced to live in a world with perceived judgments. But death comes for us all, and it doesn't care about those circumstances. 
and I think it's this understanding of death in Game of Thrones that a lot of it is chance and circumstance. Circumstance that made you make the typical tropes of good decisions or circumstances that led you down a path that is perceived to be bad. But no matter the path, the universe does not care. It will kill you whether you are good or whether you are bad. Now, like I said, I know some of the deaths have become predictable over the last couple of seasons, but in reality, in this final season, we still have the feeling that no character is truly safe. And that mystery is one that matches life. We don't know the outcome that is to come, and we don't know if the ending is going to be a happy one. Just like we have that same mystery with us in life, in reality, death is real, inevitable, it can come whenever. And the choices we make trying to achieve a meaning for ourselves, that final happy ending for us is just as doubtful and uncertain as we feel in Game of Thrones. Death is certain. Our continued search for meaning is certain. And achieving our desires and achieving our outcomes are unknown. That's what makes Game of Thrones great. It it hits home with our ultimate reality that we live in. That, hey, death is coming, but let's just try to make the most of it and try to make a meaning out of the world we live in and embrace it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to to podcasts. Share it with your friends. Email me. Check out my Patreon. Blah, 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 blah. Tune in next time. Peace.